Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minnesota 60 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I am Andy Stewart, uh, I am alone and I am starting to find being alone quite sad and quite hard work, Mitch. Uh, yes, I am Mitch Bain, I am obviously not at Strong Violent PC HQ today and I'm hoping that this will be the last time for the foreseeable future that I am in the walls. What the hell, man? I know, I know, I know. I'm home on uh, family business, again, good family business. But yeah, this will be uh, the last trip home for a while, so I'm kind of hoping that for the foreseeable future, I'm going to sound a lot less distant. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, like, sonically, not emotionally. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of work to do before you stop sounding emotionally distant. <laughs> How have you been this week, my good man? Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> well, thank you, kind sir. I've been just fine. Excellent. Have you been watching anything this week? Uh, I've watched a couple of things. I dipped into the first few episodes of Stranger Things Series 3. Ooh, nice. I have not had a minute to look at this uh, just yet. I'm kind of hoping that I'll be able to squeeze at least a couple in this week. So, how are you finding it? I Actually, just before you start as well, what was your take on Season 2? I wasn't a massive fan of Season 2, if I'm honest. It felt a bit like a sharp drop to me from Series 1. See, I quite like Season 2, apart from that stupid episode oh, where... Yeah. You know the one. Yeah, where Eleven joins a gang and she becomes like a... Kind of like a little goth and she like... I, uh, I hated it. Yeah, she she basically goes away and like comes back and is like and it's just nothing's changed apart from the fact that she looks like she's joined the Sisters of Mercy. Yeah, her hair's slicked back and she's got eyeliner on. Yeah, I couldn't really be doing with that. Apart from that, I thought it was okay. So, how's three going so far? I'll be honest with you, I think series three so far is shaping up to be my favorite yet. Oh, cool. Okay, nice. Um, um has it shifted up scale wise or anything like that? Or uh, it certainly has. Yeah, but it feels more. It feels richer, and the characters feel like they're finally coming together. They feel more realised. I suppose it's possible that season two was always going to be a little bit of a bridge in that way, because obviously in the first season, Will was out of it for most of it, really. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of had to re-ingratiate him back into the group, but also they were adding the new characters as well. Yeah. So maybe maybe it kind of makes sense that season two kind of moved the pieces on the board for season three to kind of let the characters gel a little bit. It feels bigger. The characters... Like obviously now, uh, Mike and Eleven are an item, uh-huh. and H- Hopper he's kind of struggling to deal with the fact that he's got these horny kids always in his house, like trying to <laughs> sneak off together and stuff. It's a lot funnier, and so far, actually, a lot scarier than I would say either of the previous series. Okay, okay, you've um you've got me excited. Yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm really really loving it. And I, as soon as this recording is over, I'm going back to continue watching it. I think yeah, it's yeah because I, I I did go into it a bit like. Uh, Let's get through this because I really want to watch it, but I was a bit sceptical. 
Mitch. Yeah, reasonable. I, I don't reasonable. Think uh, I, I don't think I'm being harsh to say that. But so far, my scepticism seems unfounded. Good stuff. Good. I am. Um, I'm going to be back in Glasgow later tonight, and I'm going to watch the film for this week's episode, which we'll come to. Yes. Um, and then I'm probably going to try and maybe watch the first two or something tonight. Ah, cool. Yeah. Uh, anything else though? Yes, I watched recent uh, scary little kid release, The Prodigy. Ah, okay. Now I wanted to make time to catch this um, when it was in cinemas. I saw the trailer at Fright Fest Glasgow, which means I've seen the trailer more than any other film this year. <laughs> Um, <laughs> was it one of those ones where it plays like constantly before every film? It was maybe like it was about every other film I would say over the weekend. So yeah, it was one of those ones you could speak along with by the end of it. Um, yeah, I didn't know I didn't know what to make of the trailer for this. So I'm assuming this is now hitting kind of home release territory then. Very astute of you, Mitch. Very astute indeed. Yes, it comes to home entertainment on the 15th of July, I think. It might be out in digital before that, like uh, iTunes and stuff like that. Not entirely sure, but I know for sure it comes to DVD on the 15th of July. Okay, uh, can you give me a wee uh, potted synopsis of this oh, before yeah, you get to I your sure opinion? Can. I will preface this by saying that actually, in and amongst the mainstream horror releases that have come out, this one's actually perfectly serviceable. Okay. If a little bit convoluted and slightly unmemorable, I don't imagine it'll hang around in my memory for a gigantic amount of time, but... Do you know what? It wasn't that bad. Um, so we have Taylor Schilling from Orange is the New Black. Oh, aye, okay. Uh, she is the mother to a young boy called Miles, who is incredibly clever from birth. He uh, can speak like before he should be able to. And obviously, I guess the title's given a lot of that part of it away. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, he's kind of talking <laughs> in Hungarian in his sleep and stuff. Uh, and things... <laughs> start getting a little bit darker and um, he starts kind of acting out in increasingly violent ways, I suppose you would say. Okay. But uh, it does start getting quite dark and ultimately, Mitch, you'll be happy to hear he is taken to see a kind of spiritualist. Oh, that's a relief. <laughs> who uh, supposes that there's something evil residing in him. Does he blow the dust off a big book and explain it? <laughs> does he go up to a big wall of books and run his fingers along them looking for the correct volume? <laughs> <laughs> Well, does he? Uh, not quite. Uh, but well, okay. He does do some kind of regression therapy and stuff like that to, to kind of figure out what's going on. And I, as you can imagine, Mitch, he surmises that there's something evil inside him. Okay, yeah, that checks out. And uh, just in case you're wondering, and, it, and we had these episodes up with a spoiler alert. Anyway, the kid has been uh, possessed with the reincarnated spirit of a serial killer who died at approximately the same time the kid was born. Fantastic. Like uh, like one out, one in for psychopaths. Kind of like child's play, I suppose. I was going to say, actually, yeah, kind of like child's play, or at least old child's play. Yeah, but uh, I guess kind of taking over an, an, like a, a living kid rather than an inanimate doll. Okay. Yeah. Well. Okay. I mean. I, I mean. Like, don't get me wrong. I think that like that sounds like something that would probably test my patience a little bit. But you <laughs> like you. You thought it was okay. I thought it was. Yep. Uh, it was. It was fine. It's nothing I'm going to write home about. Uh, it does get. Like, it does get a little bit convoluted in the in Act Three. Uh, these things often do, don't they? <laughs> yes, they sure do. But there's decent performances in there. Taylor Schilling does a good job, and the little kid's pretty good. Cool. Play, he's uh, played by the the little kid that plays Georgie and. The most and Andy Muschietti's it. Oh, okay, cool. He's pretty decent, but uh, yeah, it does get a bit daft and a bit silly towards the end. Okay, uh, <laughs> fair and it, it, and it, if... it just ends on a, a scene where I was like, Ugh, I knew that was going. I knew this was coming. Right, uh, fair it is. Uh, yeah, it, 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 okay, sorry, it is a bit predictable, but it's it's fine. <laughs> and if anyone wants to check it out off the back of that glowing review, it is available on home release from the fifteenth of July. That's one of my better reviews. 
Yeah, I would say, like, yeah, I would, for, for a film like that, I would say certainly, yeah, I mean, like a film of that kind of ilk, I would say it probably is reasonably positive on the spectrum. Yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> um, is that about your love for this week? Pretty or? much, yeah, yeah. Now, I know yeah. you've been in the cinema a couple of times. Uh, yeah, I'll do them in chronological order. <laughs> on Monday, I uh, nipped along at GFT. I've been trying to make, I was trying to make a point of catching this one, and I knew that its kind of cinema lifespan would be quite short. Yes. But um, I did manage to catch the new Peter Strickland film, uh, In, In Fabric. Fabric. Yeah, how was that for you? Um, it was pretty interesting. So I haven't seen uh, The Duke of Burgundy that's from a, him. That's excellent. Uh, but it does look like something I would really like. And um, a friend of mine showed me the, the opening credits for it, and I think that they're one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Right. So I do want to make time for The Duke of Burgundy. I have seen Barbarian Sound Studio, which I know is a big opinion divider. I personally think it's great. Yeah, I love it. I really, really like it. So um, so I was like reasonably up for this. It's one of those things, it's kind of like an It Follows situation where when you explain the premise of it, it sounds like it's going to be really trashy, but it's actually kind of uh, pretty... Obviously, it's a Peter Strickland film. It's kind of smart, it's well-made, it's a little bit abstract, it's a little bit eccentric. Uh-huh. Um, but it's about a killer dress, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> effectively. And um, a couple of people who are um, kind of affected by it or kind of fall into the path of it. So it's very clearly split into two halves mm-hmm. that... Um, focus on two different protagonists um the first half the protagonist is a woman called sheila who is this um divorcee who's trying to kind of get back out there air quotes while her kind of like home situation with her son and her and his girlfriend is kind of erratic and a little bit kind of fraught uh the character stuff in the first half is way better for me than the second half that's a personal preference thing i think that both halves are probably equally well made but i just enjoyed the character stuff way more in the first half but that stuff's great. I think that it's played for laughs at all the right places. Right. And I think that when you're dealing... and Because it is quite funny. And, it, yeah, it gets laughs what it's supposed to. And considering the premise on paper is so silly, I think that it manages to keep an even hand for most of the time when it wants to. Um, the second half of it is about a like washing machine, uh, washing machine repairman. And uh, the dress comes into their life because he's made to wear it on a stag do. <laughs> and um, there's some there's some pretty funny kind of like, you know, toxic masculinity takedown things going on at the start of that segment. But after that, it kind of lost me. Right. But the way that it's actually kind of the way that it levels out and finishes up is really cool. Um, I think that where it, where it gets to is the right place. Okay. But the journey to it is a little bit off. I would say the, the first half's superb. Second half's a little bit mediocre. But overall, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I'd recommend getting along to it. Uh, but yeah, on Thursday, um, I caught Midsummer. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I am possibly going to go later on this evening. Oh, cool. Okay. So um, Midsummer, I think we've been talking about it for ages. Yeah. Um, it's a new, new film from Ari Aster who did uh, Hereditary. It's, it's very similar to Hereditary in a lot of ways and wildly different from it in a lot of ways as well. Okay. Um, it's... Basically, yeah, the this, this story is pretty simple. You have this guy who um, is kind of painted as a total asshole right from the beginning who is about to break up with um, this girl played by Florence Pugh. She's grieving. Uh, yeah, because basically he's about to break up with her. And this is before the this is before the title card, so this is not spoilery stuff. Basically, her entire family dies. So he's kind of in a situation where he feels like he can't break up with her. And then those two and a couple of their friends end up going to this festival uh, that happens every 90 years. 
and they just kind of go there to kind of get away from things and chill out and stuff. And the couple of the people that they're going with are kind of academics who are writing for their thesis about it and things like that. Um, all starts out innocent enough, obviously gets increasingly more sinister. These rituals get increasingly more violent. They're expected to participate in them all. I'm not going to surprise anybody with this. I, I thought this was fucking brilliant. Like, I really, really loved it. It's also, for a two-hour, 26-minute film, doesn't feel its length at all, considering it's so slow. Mm-hmm. I would say it's going to divide opinion in the exact same way that Hereditary did, but also liking Hereditary is no guarantee you'll enjoy Midsommar. Okay. I'm, ve- I'm going to be very interested to hear what the people who liked it, um, Hereditary make of this, because I think that he's got a very distinct style that's obvious at this point. Yeah. Like, you can tell that it's his, but in a lot of ways, it couldn't be more different. I'm very curious to know what the general opinion on this is going to be when it kind of, like, when more people have seen it, basically. Right, okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, it's it's one of the best films I've seen this year. Um, I, I I loved it. I was expecting to love it. I went and wanting to really like it. And uh, yeah, no, it really delivered the goods. Yeah. I can't wait to hear what you think of I it as well. I can't wait. I've tried to keep myself clear of reviews and stuff, but I've seen little drips and drabs. But uh, yeah, I've got to get along to see it pronto. I've got to get along to see it before I next see you because I want to talk about it. Maybe we could even talk about it in greater detail uh, in a little bonus mode or something. I would be up for that. I would probably like to go see it again, I think, um, and kind of gather my thoughts a little bit on it. But yeah, I would be up for doing a bonus episode about Midsummer, definitely. Let me also say uh, it might be prudent of us to do a bonus mode on the recently released Fright Fest lineup. Yeah, I was just thinking that um, because I haven't really, I obviously it got announced on Thursday and yeah. I, do have my t- I do have my ticket now. But um, <laughs> a lot of people really struggled to get their tickets again this year. I noticed. Yeah, I think it's, it's always um, it's always a tricky one. I think that it's always something that seems to cause a lot of problems. But this year sounded like it was especially uh, yeah. tricky. I don't get um, it. I mean, I know it's not the, the fault of the, the guys that organise the festival, but whatever ticketing company that they're using, they've got to be aware of that. Like, surely they've yeah, got it's... to be aware of past form and like how how difficult it's been previously for people to get tickets and i wouldn't be surprised if this year is the kind of triggering thing for a conversation about that because it seems like this year was much worse i was lucky um my ticket was picked up for me right by our old pal mitch harrod actually i'm going and he managed to get a group of six <laughs> together in there which is a borderline superhuman from what i can tell uh but yeah no i'd be up for doing a mini sort in the fright fest lineup once i've had a little bit more time to dig in because it looks phenomenal oh, it looks unbelievable and it's one of those things where you, you know like obviously uh, i've got the baby the baby during October so it's kind of up in the air if I can attend at all but there was a discussion at Strong Violent HQ in your absence where it was suggested that I, sh- I should go for at least a day oh so uh, yeah who knows then so I I'm, I'm certainly certainly con- considering uh, looking at day tickets and stuff to see what's out there and what day's the strongest I suppose okay I'll keep watching the skies on that one yeah but that does conclude my viewing for this week with one obvious exception yeah he does indeed and i got one in this week that i've been looking forward to watching for a really long time and i've just been trying to line up when i was really in the mood to sit down and give it my undivided attention which i did yesterday on the mega bus up the road i finally (laughs) watched um jacob's ladder oh right okay did you like it yeah i thought it was brilliant i loved it um i really liked tim robbins i'm obviously aware of how it ends because i listened to how did this get made and i know (laughs) the joke um but uh so yeah i kind of knew where it was going but i didn't mind that at all and uh, yeah i just it was a really good one to just watch unfold like i say i'm a big tim robbins guy anyway yeah um and it's w- one of the best things i've seen him in 
And uh, yeah, I just it's 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 my kind of strange. So I would describe Jacob's letter. I, I really really enjoyed it. Um, not too much more to say about it than that. To be honest, I, I don't want to dig in too much for any in the unlikely event that people are listening that haven't seen it. I don't want to talk too much about the particulars of it. But I thought it was brilliant, and I'd really recommend it. It's probably maybe in the ten. Oh, top ten uh, of the of the of the shockwave stuff that I've watched so far. So yeah, wow. yeah, no, great great stuff, great stuff, great stuff. Well, okay. What have they been singing now? Feedback time and uh, a whole load this week again and uh, unsurprisingly the lion's state of it going to Death Spa. Big thank you to Howard Gorman of Bloody Disgusting, Scream, Enemy Horror and many many more uh, for joining us last week and finally being the guest that takes the bull by the horns and uh, brings Death Spa to the table. Yep, we've got no other films to watch now. <laughs> yeah, it's over. <laughs> going forward, that's it. We have peaked. <laughs> you can all go home now. Um, uh, a whole load of stuff on Death Spa. Um, people really show up for this again the feedback's been great recently actually like um in terms of people just really uh getting right into the meat of the films oh, and stuff like that it's been a definitely. lot of fun and yeah. uh one man particularly well known for doing that mr dad and gaskell <laughs> uh what a movie the dinner sequence with the eye bandage laura absolutely destroyed me i had to pause the movie for a couple of minutes until i stopped laughing also <laughs> nice shot of chicken plus advertising special breakfast as michael drives to the hospital other highlights i saw a parapsychologist today as you do then there's ken Forney's fancy dress outfit a showdown between michael and tom that's framed as if they're going to kiss each other death by frozen fish and a final shot i just don't understand love it <laughs> Um, for the second week in a row, I think that uh, Darren pretty much nailing my opinions on the particulars of that because, um, yeah, my my personal highlights were Death by Frozen Fish and the uh, the amorous bandaged eyes scene. <laughs> That's my favourite scene in any film ever. Uh, <laughs> Andrew Marshall at Semi Pro Geek getting in touch on yep. Twitter to say a first time watch inspired by at Strong Violet PC was Death Spa. Excessively gory, inventively nasty, and camply trashy. It shows themed murders don't need to be inspired by mythology or literature to be compelling, and has a truly batshit climax that must be experienced firsthand. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much spot on, I think. Um, our resident Dr. Death, Dr. Lauren McIntyre, nodding goth on Twitter, getting in touch again with the medical goods. <laughs> yeah, I actually have a follow-up to this one, so that's good, yeah. Oh, cool, okay, so she said, uh, this episode was so much fun. If I remember rightly, Laura was exposed to chlorine gas, because we did talk about the particulars of Laura, the earliest attack in the film, after the first maybe seven or eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I googled chlorine gas exposure. Andy's right. As well as fucking her eyes up, she'd be red, covered in blisters, have trouble breathing, and vomiting everywhere. And uh, needless to say, Lauren, as ever, showing her working. More info on what to do if you get sprayed with chlorine gas in a ghost-ridden murder sauna below. And um, with a link to the relevant helpful literature. So thank you very much for that, Lauren. Pleasure is always to hear from you. Yeah, uh, following that up, because I, I, I did speculate on the fact that she seemed absolutely fine. Uh, yes. Apart yeah. from having gauze over her eyes. Uh, but uh, Chris Salt weighing in at Oblong Pictures just to say look to be fair they did drape some gauze over her body for five minutes in the hospital that probably sorted her blisters right out it's quite possible quite possible yep perhaps it had some Savlon on it other other (laughs) antiseptic creams are available it's just some sawdust (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, Cosmic Ray Girl on Twitter thank you for introducing me to Death Spa I love Dr. Lido yeah (laughs) The paranormal activity in the gym works in strange ways, but maybe Dr. Lido was behind it all so he could get a free gym membership. He did successfully go undercover, so mission accomplished if that's the case. But he died. (laughs) So (laughs) any plans he had were, I would say, scuppered by death. So in the the short term, his plan worked because he got into the gym, but in a larger, more significant way, he also died. (laughs) 
if, if the plan was to get a free gym membership, he at no point is seen on any machines. That's true. Yeah, he's just uh, shuffling around in a suit looking uncomfortable before he gets thrown onto that massive cheese grater and dies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hanny underscore Ray getting in touch to say, loved how pumped you all are about Death Spa. That's impossible not to be, I feel. Exactly. Yeah. Not so pumped. I like it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. God, I'm slow. Uh, great episode, by the way. Dead Heat is definitely worth a look. A lot of love for Dead Heat. Yeah, of course, Howard mentioned a film in passing that, about chickens that come back to life and things like that. Eventually remembered before the end of the show that it was Dead Heat, but loads of people getting in touch. One, letting us know that it was Dead Heat, and two, everybody seemed to recommend it and tell us it was great. <laughs> I love how everyone like tweeted before the end of the episode to say that it was Dead Heat, and then everyone <laughs> tweeted like, like 10 minutes later going, oh, he mentioned that it was Dead Heat. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, well, I like the fact that everyone just knew. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, well done to everybody on that one. Uh, scared Cheapless on Twitter. Excellently timed commute fitting in the entirety of Strong Violent PC, and now I know I'm definitely watching Death Spa tonight. Also, I'm still frequently chuckling to myself at the she was hit by a mirror and exploded. <laughs> Priscilla, we barely knew you. Yep, one of my favourite deaths in there. Because you say. were badly written. <laughs> <laughs> we hardly knew you, and neither did the writers. <laughs> Saltire Popcorn at Saltire Popcorn. My snot laugh on the way to work this morning. Ken Forey's dressed like a genie. Damn you, strong, violent PC. Damn you. Excellent. Great stuff. Um, Dennis Extra, after getting in touch, I had forgotten how much fun this is. I can't wait to hear you all try to make sense of it. I can easily understand how some people love this film. Dennis, people do love this film. People uh, were coming out of the woodwork left, right, and center talking about it. So you're very much not alone in that one. Oh, God, no, no. Neil at Yellow Dog Amos M getting in touch. Okay. Uh, we had talked about the fact that this one was a previous Mitchie's pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, from our live show at Celluloid Screams last October also uh, that it was perhaps the first film that we had done that was previously a Mitch's pitch mm-hmm. yep that's correct and Neil just saying I still remember Watchfires Mitch describing the plot from guesswork and coming up with the title at Chef Horror Fest highly entertaining <laughs> feel the burn feel the burn um, we also have a, um, a new person alert actually uh, William Hazel that's uh, username Crawford underscore Hazel on Twitter um, just saying it almost lives up to the wonderfully trashy VHS cover art the cover art is insane love it so much I mean like live, live, like, live up to it it may do uh, be an accurate <laughs> reflection of the events of the film it is not no 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 not even close new other, well, seeing as we're talking new people I think I've got one here oh okay cool Scotty Hendry at Real Heel Scotty Okay. Getting in touch. Uh, uh, yep, that is a new person. Hello. Hello, Scott. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Only just listened to episode 39 of Strong Violent PC. Wow. Oof. A long way to go. Yeah. I'm, I'm catching up slowly. Love the pod and great to listen to a pod with proper accents. There you, go. There you, <laughs> fucking you are go. welcome. There you fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> Any chance of reviewing the old classic comedy Restless Natives? Keep it up. Uh, um, again, uh, that's not on us to decide. No, if the guest picks it, we'll do it. If yes. they build it, they will come. <laughs> I just want to cycle back quickly to uh, Salt Air Popcorn, actually. He uh, got in touch earlier in the week uh, saying that he'd caught up with White of the Eye, watched the film, and uh, listened to the episode with Jackson Stewart. Oh, yeah. And uh, that sees him 100% caught up. Congratulations. Uh, you get a badge. <laughs> made out of nothing um, yeah no congratulations on uh, congratulations on joining the 100% club yeah we really should get some badges or something made up yeah we really do we really do need to get some merch on the go yeah yeah. Well, well, uh, if anyone out there wants to start chucking us their favourite slogans and things even if it's Ken Foray's dressed like a genie context pig 
Yeah, battle thumb. Battle thumb, yeah, yeah. Anything that might work well on a t-shirt or a sticker or a badge, just get in touch, let us know, and we'll see about getting that made. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, I think that, that would be fun, actually. That's something I want to look into. Yeah. I have one more new person and one more on Death Spot. Jesus Christ! Um, I know. Um, Evan Conway for the masses. <laughs> um, uh, Evan Conway for one. Getting in touch saying, please tell me you finally have an answer to the age-old question of whether you prefer Death Spa or Aerobicide. Needless to say, I have not seen Aerobicide, but I, I certainly have. like Death Spa a lot. <laughs> I have, and uh, I think I was quick to respond, saying I'll, I will field this one immediately. Death Spa is the better film. Ah, okay, cool, cool. But um, yeah, thank you for getting in touch, Evan. Welcome aboard. Nice <laughs> to have you. Now, Mitch, this is a point where I would normally yelp, which is a signifier that we are crashing into the next segment of the show. Okay. But I'm going to soften the crash this week with a little bit of feedback uh, further to Mitch's pitch. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, last week it was The Being. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, mm-hmm, um, and uh, Darren Gaskell got in touch to tell us that he had actually seeked out and watched The Being. Oh, okay. Because you did mention it was available. I did it was mention, around. I did mention that it was out there and it was it was watchable. Uh, I, and I didn't come up overly positive on it. That's true. Uh, but Darren Gaskell says, Watch The Being. It didn't get a glowing recommendation on the minisode and I can see why. Oh, okay. It should be fun, but it's something of a plod. Also, it has one of those monsters that's pretty lethal until it goes up against the hero and then it's fucking useless. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Again, Darren hitting the nail on the head, couldn't agree more, um, which brings me on nicely to... It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. For anyone who's unfamiliar, Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. The picture will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out the title and the tagline, leaving only the image. My job will be to describe the image to the best of my ability... And where possible, give the film a title and a synopsis. So last week, as you said, it was The Being. Yes. Uh, reappropriated by me as Seeds of Chaos, Farmhand Death Farm. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> because, sure. Yeah, um, whatever. <laughs> um, so uh, we did have some other people getting in touch with uh, their own spins on this. So um, let's see where to begin. John Paul Fitch. When Gervin Councillor George Oboe investigates the disappearance of elderly council meeting stalwart Mrs. Elma Cashew, he finds himself drawn to the local crisp factory in the mostly abandoned wheat packing district. Oh, hey, hang on a minute. I know. Better watch him. He's sailing close to the copyright wind here, I think, but we'll push on. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. I would say I, I would say it, it departs from here on out. Uh, okay. There he finds the remains of several missing old people dusted into a strange cheesy powder. It soon becomes apparent that local citizens are being monster-munched by a corn-based snacktacular baddie. Will George... <laughs> <laughs> Will George Obo defeat the Wheaty monstrosity in a deadly game of cat and mouse? Uh, Will he become a tasty treat for a monstrous puff daddy? <laughs> From producer Penfold Holypants and director Ted Mall comes the sequel to 1986's What's It All This Then? <laughs> 1988's What's It Too? What's That? Tagline, things just got a whole lot cheesier in Gervin. <laughs> Penfold Holypants is already in the running for the best character name. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Tony Constantine. Oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> When partially sighted amateur baker Rod Snackhandle accidentally <laughs> accidentally seasons his latest batch of gingerbread men with the contents of his grandpa's urn, he inexplicably finds himself face to face with a sinister semi-recurrent. Fuck's sake! 
<laughs> You've got this, Mitch. You can do it. He inexplicably finds himself face to face with a sinister, semi-resurrected, half-baked bastardization of his beloved papa. <laughs> now locked in a deadly game of cat and bakery products, Rod must prove he has what it takes to put the brakes on his blind-baked mistake in 1978's Ginger Nutmare, Attack of the Mutant Grandpa Biscuit. <laughs> Nothing could prepare Rod for seeing his papa's nuts. <laughs> Jesus. There we go. Oh, wow. Um, okay, Dave Cooper. Jeff is a single father following the loss of his wife in an unfortunate skiing accident. Jeff's son, Bart, becomes attached to the last thing given to him by his mother, a life-size teddy bear. So when his son, Bart, loses his teddy bear on a trip to the zoo, Jeff takes it upon himself to make a replacement. When a thunderstorm arrives and a rogue lightning bolt hits Bart's new teddy, Mr. Wiggles, things take an unexpected turn for the worse in 1984's Bear Hugs. Tagline, the bear necessities aren't enough for these toys and they'll leave you in stitches. (laughs) Quite like that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, uh, Laura, buying an LV on Twitter. Warning, too obscure for its own good. If that's a big ginger head of hair on the person, I reckon it's the Asylum remake of Richard Driscoll's The Comic. Who's laughing now in 1996's Punchline? <laughs> also, uh, if you want to look into the history of Richard Driscoll, that man is an asshole. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, feel free to look into that. I hope he's still in prison, I'm not sure. Okay, fucking hell, right. <laughs> <laughs> And Chris Salt, all long pictures on Twitter. Yeah. Working late one night at the spicy processed meat snack factory. A lot of this going on today. Yeah, hang on. I, yeah. I, I can feel somewhere Tony Constantino is bristling. Yeah, a little bit mince adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> Working late one night at the spicy processed meat snack factory, wages clerk Pippa Rami. <laughs> <laughs> slips and falls into a vat of mechanically reclaimed pork slurry. Left for dead by her unscrupulous bosses, she manages to escape through a waste outlet pipe into a nearby river. But exposure to the sludgy protein goop causes her body to undergo grotesque changes, and she finally (laughs) finds herself transforming into a glistening feral meat creature ravenous for revenge. In 1991, body horror classic, Pippa Rami, bite of an animal. And uh, that's your lot. That's your that's that's the pick. That's the pick of the crop this yeah, week. Okay. Uh, ooh. Uh, hmm. Best pitch of the week uh, to Tony. <laughs> Fair enough. I did quite uh, enjoy that. It I would say everything I liked in it. It had alliteration. It had rhyming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so that was just for clarity. 1978's Ginger Nutmare Attack with a Mutant Grandpa Biscuit. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Happy with that. Uh, uh, best... I'll be honest. I'm less keen on the title. But the, yeah, the, the journey getting there was a lot of fun. Okay, okay, that's fair. Uh, best character name is still, I think, going to have to go to Penfold Holy Pants. Okay, so our winners this week then, uh, Tony and John Paul Fitch. Yes, congratulations. <sighs> the crowd goes wild. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, your so, turn then, lad. Oh, hooray, okay. Okay, hang on, let me, let me access my telephone here i've been having some problems with it reading my fingerprints lately oh my, weird with my phone um i feel like it's perhaps all the, the the housework i've been doing all the chores around the new house have perhaps worn my fingers to nubs such a grafter yep uh okay it's on the way i had to put my code in <laughs> like a goddamn caveman i know what what the fuck is this um okay it's here <laughs> It's here. Um, okay, we're argu- we're arguably um, back in agricultural territory here. That's undeniable. Yeah, um, so uh, pushing on with that theme, which I'm fine with. So um, the background of the image is a setting sun, and uh, we see in silhouette along the bottom here um, some soldiers and a couple of dogs. I would say soldiers. I think it's fair. In silhouette, it's a fair assumption. 
Um, they're carrying guns. They are, well, I say fleeing. I don't know what direction they're running, but they're, <laughs> but they're certainly uh, heading in one direction. And it looks to me like they're fleeing from something. Okay. I would say. I would say that there's enough of a panic in the stride there. But I think it's fair to say that the focus of the image is above that, where we have what appears to be a um, sentient scarecrow <laughs> wearing a pale, blue, a pale blue kind of overcoat, brandishing a five pronged pitchfork in the direction of the viewer. Yeah, sure, sure. Anything else to add? Um, he's got like the the scarecrow has a bag over its head with three eye holes in it and a mouth. Okay. Um, and that's about it, I think I would say. Okay, no problem. Fine. Cool. cool. Uh, so yeah, I will just need a moment. We've had quite a few agricultural ones now that we think about it. I mean, we had Motel Hell. Yeah. Invasion of the Blood Farmers. I guess the being wasn't, you just uh, made it such, but I, this could fit slot in quite nicely. Yeah, for like the kind of farmland miniseries of Mitch's Pitches, it's emerging. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, enough enough nonsense. How are you getting on? Uh, yeah, I think I'm there. Okay. A group of soldiers beating a hasty retreat during the Civil War take cover in an abandoned farmhouse to ride out the storm until the fighting is over. Slowly falling into a life of quiet seclusion, they gradually develop a peaceful domesticity, gathering crops and living off the land. <laughs> However, their tranquility soon turns to mayhem when they accidentally disturb ground cursed by a shaman who had been driven from the property a hundred years before. This causes a once docile presence in the cornfields to advance on the house hungry for blood, and the soldiers will face their biggest fight yet if they're going to escape in 1995's Agroculture 2, Bros Before Crows. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, please uh, describe to me the extent to which I'm wrong. Well, you're very wrong in the year. The year was 1981. Oh, oh God. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the film is the quite excellent, in my opinion, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Yeah, I think it's kind of guessable, but what's that about? <laughs> what we normally do at this point, Mitch, is we hop on to IMDB, just generally into the user synopses and pick mm-hmm. one. Now, um, there is one in there from Claudio Carvalho, Okay, okay. So the decision rests on whether you want Claudio Carvalho's or whether you would like uh, Patchy Ground Fogs. I'm going to go with Patchy Ground Fog, please. (laughs) An intellectually disabled man is unjustly accused of attacking a young girl. Disguised as a scarecrow, he hides in a cornfield only to be hunted down and shot. Later, after it is revealed he saved the girl from a vicious dog attack, members of the search posse are killed by a mysterious scarecrow. This sounds great. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really good film. Oh, that sounds like that sounds like something I'd love. By the way, riding a pretty healthy six point nine out of ten on IMDb. Oof, not bad at all. Yeah, not bad at all. That's particularly good. Yeah, pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, that concludes Mitch's pitches for this week. Of course, that image will now be everywhere. So uh, get on it, get pitching. We love hearing from you. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to turn my attention quickly to kind of new releases and streaming platforms and stuff right now, as ah, I tend yes. to do. Yes. A couple of notables. Netflix. I want to mention really quickly, um, it got added this past week, I believe, because um, I keep getting adverts telling me to watch it. And that algorithm is spot on, because it's one of my favorite horror sequels ever. Okay. <laughs> Final Destination 5 is on Netflix now. <laughs> <laughs> I love this film with all my heart. I would strongly recommend watching it if you have not already. It's, um, I probably prefer it to the original. I love Final uh, Destination 5. Uh, I saw it several times in the cinema. One time was for a press thing. And uh-huh. uh, the second time was just uh, because I loved it so much. I wanted to go back yeah. and watch it in greater detail. Yeah, I don't want to say too much about it, but when you realise how the ending is going to play out, I almost stood up and clapped. <laughs> 
Uh, absolutely love it. Um, elsewhere on Netflix, July the 12th, um, you've got uh, Kidnapping Stella. The uh, synopsis there is snatched off the street and held for ransom. A bounding guide woman uses her limited powers to derail her kidnapper's plans. It kind of sounds like it might play well as a doubler with uh, like Disappearance Alice Creed or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, July 14th, if you like your uh, thrillers kind of trashy and very twisty and filled with beautiful people, A Simple Favor lands on uh, Netflix as well. Sky Cinema has um, a couple of things as well. Uh, this past week, actually, something that played at Fright Fest last year, if I'm not mistaken, Video Man. Yes, so that's, that's available now. Yeah. Synopsis there, two functioning Gothenburg alcoholics, dead-laden VHS collector Ennio and 80s-obsessed divorcee Simone forge an unlikely romance. However, their story goes in a darker direction when a British buyer offers Ennio 10,000 euros for a rare video only for it to be stolen so i think that sounds pretty cool also yeah. on july july the 11th um one that we've talked about over and over on the show big hit at the festivals in general including uh celluloid screams of fright fest last year uh, matt holness's possum oh, is on yeah uh, it's on sky cinema from thursday so that's a disgraced children's entertainer philip returns to his norfolk home where he repeatedly fails to destroy possum a terrifying human-faced spider puppet that also represents philip's dark side Alan Armstrong plays his abusive stepfather and the source of his misery. This film is tremendous, but you do have to be in a very specific mood for it, I think. Yeah, it's it's bleak. It's extremely bleak. Can't recommend it enough, though. It's uh, it's absolutely superb. Also, by um, the way, we're just a couple of weeks away from the home release of Lords of Chaos, 27th of July from Arrowville. Ooh, creeping up. Nice, nice. Uh, one last thing that I want to talk about on this score, actually, and by the time this airs, this will now be out, and um, it's a Friday Fest Presents title that's coming out digitally today. Right. And I don't, I don't generally go into these, but uh, this is one that I've been wanting to watch again for about four years. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. I, I think I know what you're going to say here. Yeah, and Perry Blackshear's first film, "They Look Like People," yeah, um, is out on Monday. This is like I don't want to say for certain how much that I love this because of festival hysteria and nostalgia and things like that. But I remember at Fright Fest 2015, I believe it was, um, on the Saturday night. The Saturday night midnight film is like. You know, you want something that's kind of like over the top, kind of maybe something kind of gory, something kind of fun. And um, one of our friends, uh, John, John Dickinson, mentioned to me, so that you should come and check out this film in one of the Discovery screens. And he's like, it's going to sound like a weird choice for a Saturday night, but just give it a try. Uh And I was like, you know what? Okay, fine. And um, I watched it and it was one of my favorite films of the festival and one of my favorite films that year. Um, it's made on no, no money and um, it's really, really moving. Basically, the uh, synopsis is suspecting that people around him are turning into evil creatures. A troubled man questions whether to protect his only friend from an impending war or from himself. Right. If you haven't seen this, everybody, it is out there from today. I believe it's available to buy and rent. Do it. Just get it watched. It's so, so good. I can't recommend it enough. There we go. Uh, they look like people. Yeah, they look like people uh, from Perry Blackshear, whose second film, of course, uh, The Rusalka, or The Siren, as it's been retitled, also coming out soon, I believe. I think it's already out through Fright Fest Presents as well, oh. under the, the Siren title. But uh, yeah, get that get that watch. That's my pick of the bunch this week, hands down. Excellent. So, this week, Mitch, what do we have? This week? Well, it's going to be an interesting one, I think. Uh, we have got a guest this week. Hooray for us. <laughs> Check us out bragging Check about it. having guests on a show that that's the point. Check us loosely sticking to the format that we made ourselves. <laughs> uh, no, I think this is going to be a really good one. He's a director. The director, specifically, of such films as Road Games and the 2019 Fright Fest closer, A Good Woman is Hard to Find. It's Mr. Abner Pastel. Yes, Abner joins us to talk, uh, I think it's fair to say, a modern slasher. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. And also, I think it's kind of nice that, yeah, that this is kind of the kind of thing that he's chosen because a lot of the stuff we've done uh, lately has been kind of like 80s, 90s kind of thing. So we're bringing ourselves a little bit more up to date. 
this time. Yeah, and also quite timely, Mitch, because there's been a lot of talk about a third film in this particular franchise. Yes, apparently that is on the way. But in this case, we're not looking to the third one. We're sticking no, we're with not. the first entry in the franchise. We're going back to 2009 for Marcus Dunstan's The Collector. Yes, The Collector. I've only seen this once. I'm looking forward to rewatching it for this. Yeah, it's really good fun. Yeah, it's really a lot of fun. fun. But yeah, Abner Pastel joins us this Friday to talk The Collector. Yeah, this is going to be fun. And obviously, we want to know what you think of this as well. So if you want to get in touch, there's loads of ways you can do that. Facebook and Instagram, we're Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us at Strong Violent PC and email Scenes at gmail.com. Yes, thank you, Mitch. And of course, there's loads of places you can listen, but why not try iTunes while it exists? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Spotify and our podcasting home, Podbean. Yeah, and uh, I'm not going to dig into this too much this time, but like, share, rate, review, subscribe, all those things, all those words. <laughs> all Consider those doing one of those. Go on, that, please. That don't mean anything. <laughs> Yeah, words uh, that don't mean anything in isolation <laughs> but Those yes ones. please uh, wherever you're listening hop on and give us a like a share or whatever and uh, especially our review we would like to read your reviews more than any boosting our profile could ever do we like yeah. to read your reviews. <laughs> Stroke those fragile egos. Yeah. <laughs> Brittle. We have, we have <laughs> egos like Ray Vita. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, we're back Friday with Abner Pastel talking The Collector. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Goodbye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 